Leonardo da Vinci once said, learning never exhausts the mind. Hello everyone and welcome to Nerdy Optometrist, a podcast channel for all things optometry and this is your host Upti Vora. Please remember to listen to all my episodes on your favorite platform and do remember to like and give me a thumbs up, also leave me a review. So today we have an amazing guest with us that many people already know her because of her social media presence and all the amazing things she does. And I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Lisa Hornick, who has over 20 years of clinical experience and currently practices at Stanford Ranch Optometry in Rockland, California. She received her doctorate in optometry from the Southern California College of Optometry, where she attended as a U.S. Navy scholarship. And we are going to dive deep into that experience as well. Dr. Hornick is therapeutics and glaucoma certified. She practices full scope optometry and especially passionate about treating ocular surfaces and dry eye disease. She's done a lot of work in that space as well. So you can guess we have a lot to talk Dr. Hornick is a, a fellow of American Academy of Optometry. She's a board member of the Sacramento Valley Optometric Society, currently serving as a president. Dr. Hornick has lectured on dry eye disease nationwide and in Canada. She has many published articles on the topic of dry eye disease, nutrition, and glaucoma. She has also been on numerous podcasts and media interviews discussing dry eye disease, women in leadership. Dr. Hone graduated with her MBA from University of California, Davis in 2023. Congratulations. With a concentration in entrepreneurship and innovation. And now she is part of the nerdy family. So warm welcome. Yay. So happy to be here. I'm part of the family. Very exciting. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Your bio definitely says you are a true nerd. Though I keep calling myself a nerdy optometrist, but trust me, all my guests are biggest nerds in our industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's good to be a nerd. <laughs> absolutely. That's the new cool thing. So totally. let's dive deep uh, into the entire process. But I would like to start with my favorite question. How did you bump into the field of optometry or eye care? Okay, so going way back, um, I actually got my first pair of glasses when I was seven years old. I was in second grade and kind of a funny story. So I was, you know, doing the vision screening with a school nurse and I failed. And I was an overachiever type A personality, even at seven years old. So <laughs> I was devastated because I thought when she said I failed that I didn't study hard enough for the eye test. <laughs> so I came home crying and my mom was like, oh my gosh, what happened? What's, you know, what's the matter? And I said, mom, you'll never believe I failed the eye exam. And so she just laughed and she said, no, no, no. It just means you have to go see the eye doctor. So, you know, you probably need a pair of glasses. So sure enough, I was a one day after my because I love to read. And um, I grew up in upstate New York, actually. So I was inside quite a bit because we mm -hmm. don't have a weather. Um, and so I got my first pair of glasses. And honestly, I was kind of devastated. I, at that time, I didn't want to be a nerd. <laughs> now I want to be a nerd. Um, but at that time, I didn't want to wear my glasses. And then, you know, middle, it got worse and worse. A progressive myope. We didn't have myopia management back then. Um, they could have saved little Lisa, but, you know, uh, we just didn't have the technology or the insight or the research back then um, for myopia control. So um, I would have been the perfect uh, candidate for that. But I, you know, unfortunately, I didn't have that. So I progressed and progressed and progressed. And in seventh grade, I actually got contact lenses for the first time. So 
I loved it. I was so happy. It really boosted my self-esteem to not have to wear the thick eyeglasses anymore. Mm-hmm. And I became really interested in the whole field of optometry. Cause I was like, not only can you see, but you can do uh, contact lenses for people, make them feel good about themselves, make them look good and see good. So yeah. um, I loved my optometrist. She uh, was a, you know, female doctor back when there weren't as many female doctors. Mm. So I was very inspired by her thinking, wow, you know, she's a woman in a field predominantly uh, dominated by men and she's doing so well and so great. And she just is the nicest person. And I just really enjoyed being with her so much that I actually started working with her uh, when I was in college. So I was a receptionist at my eye doctor's office. I was the contact lens technician. I was the the tech who worked with the patient. So I got to learn a lot about optometry. And the more I learned, the more interested I was. And so I always kind of knew I wanted to do something in medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom's a nurse. So I was always fascinated with medicine. And optometry just seems like such a great career. Uh, There was a period of time actually when, so my dad is an engineer and he really wanted me to be an engineer. So I said, okay, you know, I'll try the engineering route. So I actually started off in chemical engineering. I wanted to do, yeah, I wanted to do pollution prevention. And then I realized that, um, you know, although I did well, it really wasn't my personality type. I wanted to do more interacting with people and not just kind of work on a computer all day, although I'm still working on a computer all day. Um, but I just wanted more of that, uh, you know, the interaction with people and um, just to be more social. And so medicine just seemed like a really good fit. Um, and yeah, so that's, so I decided to go to optometry school and, you know, the rest is history. So yeah. Love it. I have to give a huge shout out to your optometrist who introduced you to the world of optometry. And it's like, you know, all these people out there who have been working in this space for years and I think you did say some really nice things about like seeing a women optometrist, you know, mm-hmm. loving what they're doing and feeling if they can do, I can do as well. There's always this inspiration that we're looking for. And I'm glad you found one. So that's, that's uh-huh. wonderful. Um, I did but- like it, oh, sorry. I just want to say, I did like it too, that, um, you know, it felt like a nice work-life balance. So I like the fact that you could be a woman, have children, have your family and do other things. And then also, you know, have your career too. So yeah. that was when um, there was a time when I thought about going to medical school and becoming an MD and got a little bit overwhelmed with, you know, wanting uh, more of a work-life balance. So optometry was just the perfect fit. Absolutely. I, and that's something that I believe most of the women or everyone, I would say, because even men needs that work-life balance that actually attracts us to this field of optometry, because it's not just like seeing patients, but it also involves so much more that you can do with like dispensing and business and innovations. Like we have so much to kind of uh, conquer and we can actually do mu- multiple things in the same profession. And that's what I love about it as well. Definitely. So you did you did mention that, you know, you you were part of a U.S. Army scholarship. Can you tell mm-hmm. me a little more about that phase of your if, of your professional journey? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I was accepted into optometry school. I went to the Southern California College of Optometry. I wanted something totally different, a totally different experience in upstate New York. So I went as far away <laughs> as possible. And I just fell in love with Southern California and California in general as, you know, fellow Californian. We we love it here. Um, and so I went to SCC, I was, uh, you know, accepted into the program and they sent a catalog to our house. And my dad was looking through the catalog and he was in the Navy. 
Navy as well. So he said, wow, they have this Navy scholarship. This is really an amazing um, opportunity. You know, they're going to pay for all your books and your equipment and, and your living stipend. And then they give you this job just right out of school. You have a four-year job just waiting for you. Um, and he said, you should really apply for this scholarship. And I said, no, <laughs> no way, dad. And that is not for me. I am not military material. I'm not athletic in any way. <laughs> you know, um, I don't think so. And he was like, well, he goes, um, there's really not a lot of scholarships available. So you're probably not going to get it anyway. So he knew that I was competitive and kind of poking the bear. And I said, okay, I'll apply for it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, and so then I got the scholarship and then I thought, oh my goodness, what do I do now? You know? Um, and so he's like, you know what, just try it out and uh, go from there. And so, you know, I do trust his opinion. He's always been really great at guiding me and directing me and helping me through all my decision-making processes. So I did apply for it, um, was accepted, and it was the greatest opportunity, hands down, one of the best decisions that I've ever made was to get that Navy scholarship because the opportunities that were given to me in the Navy were just so incredible. And, you know, just not having any debt coming out of school and then having a job already waiting for me. So those were two huge stresses that were taking off um, on my plate. And not only that, I was able to work at Balboa Hospital in San Diego. That was my first duty station. So that was an absolute dream come true because I had, um, oh gosh, I can't even remember. There was probably about 15 other optometrists in my department and they were all there to help me. So if I had any questions about anything, said, hey, you know, I'm not really sure about this thing I'm seeing in the retina or on the cornea. Can you help me figure this out? Um, it was kind of like a long extended residency almost. Mm. All these people helping me. And not only that, but at Balboa Hospital, you know, we had every, we had ophthalmology right next door. Uh, we had a great relationship with them. So same thing. If the, I had a question for the retina specialist or the glaucoma specialist, they were right there. I learned so much and saw so many interesting, uh, so much pathology, especially the anterior segment, whether, you know, trauma. And we had a specialty contact lens department, actually. So I got to do prosthetics and all kinds of just incredible opportunities as a brand new grad, you know, that I maybe not would not have gotten otherwise. Um, and just to have that support was really great. And it was also a really incredible leadership opportunity for me. Yeah. Because, you know, you're given, um, I was actually officer of the day for the first, you know, a couple of years I was in the Navy, which is when you're in, in charge of the entire hospital. So not just the optometry clinic, you're actually in charge of the entire hospital. So whether a toilet's leaking or even, you know, from one end of the spectrum and the other end of the spectrum, someone passes away, you are in charge. You're the one that they come to when they have questions. So as a brand new, you know, I call my, I call myself, I was a baby optometrist back then and a baby lieutenant in the Navy. Um, it was just such an amazing opportunity to learn from other leaders and to develop my own leadership style. Um, after that, I did get lots of opportunities to be in charge of the clinics. So I was a branch clinic manager or a the department head of optometry. So at a young age to have such strong leadership uh, roles and also role models to me was, I mean, it was just invaluable. I think that's wonderful what you shared like you know yeah. uh, 
being type A is also something that would have contributed towards it because then, you know, you want to kind of make sure things are a certain way and that made you successful as well. But I liked how you talked about opportunities and being able to kind of have that leadership and mentorship, which is extremely important for everyone. And I'm glad you were able to find it out there in the practice in the field. Uh, but one thing that I actually found amazing, you know, when I started working in the industry, suddenly mm-hmm. they were like, okay, whatever you say, we're going to do it. And I'm like, really? Like, you're going to do what I'm going to say? Like, seriously, am I, am I old enough? You know, that feeling of like you having control, you can decide things, you can make things happen mm-hmm. and change things is such a refreshing, it's scary, but it's as well as like a wonderful experience that I started experiencing in like in practice as well as in the industry like okay I can decide the the future of this product or this okay I'm sure that you would have felt the same right yeah it's very empowering and and really helps to build your confidence yeah were you ever scared of like doing something wrong or like you know how was how was how did it work out I mean, I was terrified, um, (laughs) terrified, Um, you know, but I knew that I had people to lean on. I knew that I had people to help me. And, um, you know, people, if I was had a question, okay, how would, how would you do this if you were in this situation? Or what would happen if we did things this certain way, you know, just bounce ideas Hmm. off of other people. Um, I did things really push me out of my comfort zone, for sure. Um, I actually, a couple times was the only optometrist on an aircraft carrier to twice. Actually, I went off and I saw patients on an aircraft carrier and uh, I'd never been in an aircraft carrier before. I never, you know, slept on an aircraft carrier and there's all these jets going off uh, over my head and you know, you're it, you're the only optometrist on there. And so, but I knew that I had people to reach out to if I had questions. So, yeah, I think sometimes you just have to go for it and um not think not overthink things but just go for it and try but also know if you're really stuck that there are people that you can reach out to for help and i think this is wonderful that you mentioned like having people to reach out to because sometimes we are hesitant to ask questions because we might feel oh they feel I don't know it or I might come across as stupid. Like, you know, some, sometimes it could be a silly question, but I'm glad that you did talk about reaching out to people and having that circle of trust and reaching mm-hmm. out to them. Like, it's okay even, you know, it's better to have right treatment or diagnosis or right thing done instead of getting worried of like, what if I, someone will think something uh, stupid about me, you know, or silly about me in that exactly. sense. But yeah. I think that's brave as well. And people should start, asking more questions and building that in a circle of trust, which you can rely yeah. on and talk to for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still always ask questions, you know, cause I am very, very passionate about ocular surface disease and dry eye disease, but I might not know everything about, um, you know, traumatic brain injury, for example, or even myopia control or scleral lenses. I'm asking my friends about scleral lenses all the time. And so, you know, I, I, I mean, we have all these incredible resources, right? So yeah, reach out, use those resources so you can learn more. Absolutely. And you mentioned you did like, you did cover a lot of leadership roles during your, uh, your journey at, uh, at base. Uh, Mm -hmm. But did that thing lead to your plan of doing your MBA? Because those things probably were not being taught in optometry school, right? We're always taught and we always think from clinical perspective, here you are leading some things, not knowing how it's been done. And then you Mm -hmm. get your formal education. So how, how did you decide to get your MBA? 
That's a, that's a really great question. So um, I'll talk a little bit more about my journey. So after San Diego, then I loved the Navy so much. I met my husband when I was in San Diego and he was in the Marine Corps at the time. Um, he was a pilot in the Marine Corps. So we wanted to move together for our next duty station. And I wanted to continue in the Navy and he wanted to continue in the Marine Corps. So they found a spot for us in Pensacola, Florida. So I did three more years active duty in Pensacola, Florida. Then I had my first son. So I decided that I wanted to get out of the Navy and then he wanted to stay in active duty, but he actually switched to the Coast Guard. So after the Coast Guard, we went to Hawaii. We were stationed in Hawaii uh, for three years and then Kodiak, Alaska. So I I worked for Pearl Harbor as a civilian contractor, still on the Navy base, but as a civilian contractor. So same exact job, uh, same Navy patients and dependents, but just didn't wear uniform. Um, And then when we moved to Kodiak, Alaska, there was only two private practices on the island. And that was it. So because Kodiak is very remote and it only has about 3000 or so people, I think there's more bears (laughs) that live on Kodiak than actual people. (laughs) Um, It was a really unique, interesting experience, but it was my first time actually working in a private practice. And It was really interesting just how everything works in a private practice, you know, all the different roles and and things like that. We were never taught, like you said, in optometry school, we were never taught um, accounting and profit and loss statements and finance and, you know, all these terms, uh, return on investment, you know, things that we never really talked about in optometry school. And I thought, wow, that there's just so much out there that that we still need to learn, especially when we have our own private practice. And so um, I thought about it in Kodiak that I would really like to get my MBA, you know, just to have that um, extra knowledge. But I just I actually had another son and things just kind of it wasn't the right time. Right. So then comes COVID. And so I wasn't working for about two months because California in California, you know, we were non-essential for about two months. Yeah. And then they started have and come back in. <laughs> we need you. <laughs> so then I went back to work. But in that two months that I was off, I really thought long and hard about what else could I do if I weren't able to see patients, what other options would be out there for me? And then the MBA idea came up again. And um, so I actually had a GI bill from being in the Navy. So they paid for my optometry school, but I also had a GI bill and I needed to use that up. It was actually, it had an expiration date and it was coming up soon. So I felt like the universe was telling me this is your time. You need to go get your MBA right now. Um, And so I applied to UC Davis, which was, you know, very close to me and has a great program. And um, I'm so happy that I did the program. It was, it just gave me so much more confidence to understand um, all the different things that you can do. You know, in optometry, you don't have to have a private practice. You can like exactly what you're doing. You know, you're doing something very different. You did consulting and now you have your own podcast and you work with industry. So there's so many different, that's what I love about optometry. There's so many different avenues that you can take. So if you don't like a certain thing, if you're not happy in the role, um, there's so many different options. And getting the MBA was just like a launching pad for that. You know, I got really excited about um, like I said, entrepreneurship, innovation, um, startups, you know, just um, the, any, you could do anything. It's, it's really exciting. So that's kind of how the MBA uh, process started. And I, I was going part-time because I was still seeing patients um, and I went part-time. So it took me about three years to complete the program, uh, but it was a, gr- a great program. Really Absolutely. enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I, it's always interesting, like, you know, how we land uh, doing something like MBA, because I know there are many people like, oh, I want to do MBA. And, I, and my first question, like, why? Uh-huh. Why do you want to do an MBA? And I liked how you yeah. were, you know, track back your story and you shared your reasons and like why mm-hmm. you chose to do that. And it definitely changed my perspective yeah. uh, to the whole new world of business and industry. And it helped me like zoom out a little bit and yeah. have like an overview of things. Otherwise, you're like so focused on one part of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it it definitely is extremely helpful uh, to kind of get like, uh, that expert advice on every different aspects that we need to keep in mind once, you know, we are out in the industry for sure. Exactly. And I still will ne- never be a accountant, right? Yeah. I'll never be a finance expert, um, but I have all that background knowledge. And so now I can really understand yes. all the different details and aspects that go into it. Um, and so it's just, it's given me, I mean, exponentially more confidence in, in that area. Um, and it also, it's really helped actually my public speaking because we had a public speaking class that we had to take because oh. public speaking is such a huge part of business, right? Um, and so that really was interesting and gave me so much more confidence. And I love that you say you zoom out because that happened to me too when I got my MBA. Um, we get so we kind of get in our optometry bubble sometimes. Yes. right? And when I was with my MBA students and my classmates and my cohort, they were just from everywhere, you know, from yes. technology um, and agriculture, because UC Davis has a huge, um, you know, agriculture and wine industry and technology. And uh, one of my best friends works um, in the Bay Area, works for Meta, you know, so it was just so interesting to see everyone else's journey and what they were focusing on. Um, I think the most interesting thing was the artificial intelligence. Hmm. So there's a lot of students in my cohort who are also interested in data analytics and artificial intelligence and the way that we can bring those subjects um, and how it's going to affect healthcare in the future. That was so exciting to me. I just, I love that stuff. So really nerded out there. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. And you know, one, one other quick thing uh, that I actually uh, enjoyed uh, was, yeah. so everybody comes as you rightly mentioned, right? Even in my cohort, everybody was from completely different industry. And then you are out there talking about like, I care because you think, because you've always been surrounded by optometrists, right? You feel this is it. And here you are the only one holding the fort and explaining what these things are like and what the companies are and what we do. Uh, compared yeah. to your friend in Meta, right? Like everybody knows Meta, but nobody probably knows like Cooper Vision. Uh, they know J&J, but not the vision section of it. Exactly. So you're out there talking about like the industry and then you will start looking at the finances and like the business side of it and why they are doing what they are doing. And the right. from business perspective versus the clinical perspective, which we were more focused earlier. Right. So I enjoy talking about eye care to my colleagues. Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, one of my favorite, professors was my marketing uh, professor. She was just so amazing and so down to earth and so helpful. And she was always like, dry eye. I had no idea. Because I kept talking about dry eye and intense pulse light. And, you know, and everyone's like, what is she so passionate about dry eyes? Um, and then when I, the more I talked to them, they're like, I have dry eyes. I have dry eyes. I didn't yes. know. I have dry eyes too. You really, so you're right. I was able to help them and, and they learned from me. And, and so it was a very uh, mutually beneficial relationship. It was, it was a lot of fun. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, I enjoyed my MBA as well. Yeah. Going away from MBA and coming back to optometry, yeah. I know you recently also worked on writing your book with all the other things that you've done. And you were one of the authors in it. Can you tell us a little more about when did you get time and what was what was that journey about? Of course, you're passionate about dry eye, but let's talk about the book. Right yes. Now. Yeah, this is a great question. Um, this has actually been going on for quite a long time, I would say over a year that we've been working on this project. So my co-author, uh, Dr. Christina Linsky-Sipes, we work together at Stanford Branch Optometry. And um, so the dry eye thing kind of happened. I actually started in Kodiak, Alaska. I was asked to build out the dry eye clinic at that office. I worked for a, a practice called Eye Care Excellence for, with an incredible man called um, John, his name was John Shank, Dr. John Shank. And he was a vision source doctor. He decided he wanted to bring in a lipoflow and a liposcan, uh, but he was not interested really in dry eyes. So he said, hey, why don't you start this dry eye clinic for me? And I was absolutely thrilled um, because I had dry eye myself, but I didn't, this was a, back in 2014. So all we had really was restasis and uh, artificial tears, warm compresses, that kind of thing. Nowhere near all of the incredible options for treatment that we have now. So that's when I started becoming really laser focused on dry eye. And then we moved, we were, our time was up in Alaska and we moved back to California to the Sacramento area. And I worked for a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Aaron Leck at Clearview Eye Care, who is actually another Navy optometrist with me in San Diego. So it's funny how things come, you know, full circle. Full circle. <laughs> yeah. And he saw that I had built the dry eye clinic in Kodiak and said, you know what, I would really love a dry eye clinic here in our office. At the time that was around 2017 or 20, yeah, 2017, there wasn't a lot of dry eye specialty clinics in our area. So I said, yeah, I would, that would be amazing. I would love that opportunity. So I actually was able to, to build it from scratch which was so, so incredible. Um, you know, everything from the pink color on the walls to, you know, what products are we going to have to what's the flow going to be? How are we going to integrate dry eye treatments, specialty treatments, uh, whether it's at-home therapies or in-office treatments? Um, how are we going to, you know, incorporate that into our flow and recommend it to our patients? So that was really an exciting time. I also started working for uh, with Dr. Christina um, and she was wanting to bring in an IPL into the clinic. And so that was around 2019, 2018, 2019. And so we were really interested in IPL. We researched it together and we were the first office in the Sacramento area to have an IPL. So we had the Luminous M22 at the time. And we were just so excited because this was some technology. It was a game changer for our dry eye patients. It is, and it still is. It's our workhorse. It, I, I just, I can't believe we were even, you know, practicing um, treatment dry patients without IPL. Yeah, because it's, we're so, we just love it so much. And um, at the time, there just wasn't a lot of information. Thank goodness for Dr. Laura Perriman, because she, we talk about reaching out to mentors, right? When we have questions um, or when we're stuck or we're not sure, she has been so incredible sharing her knowledge. And she really helped us gain the confidence that we needed to treat our patients with IPL. This was back in about 2019. Then in 2021, when the Optolite um, came out, you know, the first FDA approved specifically for dry eye disease and my bombing gland dysfunction, we um, said, you know what, this is so important. And there's a lot of confusion out there with different IPLs and how to do IPL and how to incorporate IPL into your practice. Who's a good candidate? Who's not? So we noticed that there was nothing out there 
care specifically for eye care written by eye care providers to eye care providers when it comes to how to use an IPL. And there's a lot in dermatology. And I saw a couple of things, a couple of books and manuals written by dermatologists. And there is a manual, of course, that comes with a device, but it's about 700 pages and it can be a little bit difficult to get through. Um, so we wanted, we noticed that there wasn't enough consistency when it came to how to treat dry, um, IPL patients. There was some people were doing it this way. Some people were doing it that way. And we just wanted something, uh, a resource for when patients, um, you know, had questions and doctors were needing extra help that uh, we wanted a resource that they could go to that was specific to eye care, written by eye care providers and for eye care providers. And it's the first real book out there like that. So yeah, we just really hope that it can help people. And by helping doctors, we can in turn help that many more patients. Absolutely. And I'll be dropping the links uh, to reach out to Dr. Lisa for any okay. any uh, questions, recommendations. And uh, is that book available online as well for purchase? So it was actually sponsored by Luminous and it's really for Luminous um, doctors that have Luminous products like the OptiLite or the M22. So right now we are coming out with another second edition that will have even more information in it. We're not quite sure how that's going to be distributed yet. Um, but if you have questions, you know, please reach out to me. And once we have more copies and if you'd like a copy, we can always send you one. So yeah, let me know. Um, that's exciting. Thank you. Yeah. And and keep an eye out because we might um, have more things coming out in the future. So yeah. that's wonderful. Do follow Dr. Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> I follow her. I've learned a lot from her. Oh. And that's why she's here. And I, I'm so excited to have her on this podcast, but definitely reach out to her, get connected with her and follow her journey because I'm sure there's so much more to learn from her. Uh, and we did talk about all the amazing things that you did. But of course, in this entire journey, there might be a few challenges. Uh, yeah. Sometimes mm -hmm. I like to call them roadblocks, but I mm -hmm. recently learned that they could be challenged opportunities. So I, can, I, I would like to say, tell me more about your challenged opportunities. Another great question. Great question. So, um, you know, being a military spouse was probably the most challenging um, or roadblock, we'll say, because having to move every three to four years, you're kind of starting over from scratch every time that you move. You know, you're not just getting a new job, but you're getting new friends, new um, grocery store that you want to go to, new new doctors, new dentists, you know, uh, new schools for your children. So, Having to kind of always pick up and start over was definitely a challenge. And the biggest challenge for me was probably our move to Alaska because mm -hmm. I was, you know, very comfortable in my Navy optometry setting. Um, by the way, if anybody has any questions um, about military scholarships or you're interested in, in a military scholarship for optometry school, also reach out to me and be more than happy to share my experience and, and chat about that. But moving, um, to Kodiak was difficult because when we were living in Hawaii, I took about two years off to take care of my first son. And I was a stay-at-home mom for a little while. Um, but then, of course, I wanted to go back to work once he was older and able to go to preschool. Um, so I didn't have um, as much full-time experience. I only had about a year of full-time experience when I lived in Hawaii. But prior to that, I had seven years of full-time mm -hmm. experience. And I had a California license and a Hawaii license. 
But when I moved to Alaska, I had a hard time getting an Alaska license because in, they only look at the last three years of your oh. time. And I only had a, about a thousand hours of full-time uh, clinical experience in the last three years um, because it just so happened to be the time that I was home with my son. And it was, so it was either you could have 3000 clinical hours within the last three years, or you had to take your state boards again. And I said, um, thank you, but no, thank you. <laughs> Definitely not taking my national boards again. That was traumatic enough the first time. I do not want to relive that trauma. Um, so, so, and I, and, but, and we were leaving again, right? So we were only there in our, in Alaska for three years. So I actually brought it up to the state board and uh, the Alaska state board. And I said, Hey, is there any way that I can get a military exemption? Because I have an active California license. I have an active Hawaii license. Can I have the reciprocity from those licenses and, you know, go to my Alaska license? And at first they said, no, um, they were not willing to help me. They said I had to retake my boards. And I said, you know, it's really um, detrimental to my career because I really want to work. I just, the only options for me to work were in private practice. And I had, yeah. so I had to have a license. And so I actually ended up, um, I wrote a letter to the board. I was really working hard with the board, trying to kind some sort of a military exemption spouse solution, you know, I actually went all the way to the Alaska governor. And finally the, they agreed to do a military exemption for me. And thank goodness they did, because that was the experience that I had with my my first experience in private practice. It, um, you know, really inspired me to be laser focused on dry eye disease. And I became very passionate about dry eyes, still am today. And that was my inspiration for getting my MBA. So, you know, these things happen. And it's just so interesting to look back to see how your story or your journey unfolds. But they did get they did get the military spouse exemption. And so now they have a policy specifically for military spouses in Alaska. And there's a lot of military bases in Alaska. Mm -hmm. um, and so I hope that that helps someone in the future. Yes. Um, and so like you said, you know, there are kind of these career challenges, but then they become opportunities. And then I just hope that it helps the next military spouse to make to pave their way to be easier to get an Alaska license. I don't I don't know. I haven't checked on the, the rules for Alaska recently. So I'm not sure if they they changed that the requirements. But, um, you know, I, I just think any any opportunity we we have to support our military, we should take advantage of that. Absolutely. And I love it. And that's why I was recently was like, I always used to ask roadblocks, but they're like, oh, those are actually opportunities. Uh -huh. like, you know, the challenges that yeah. we turn into opportunities. But I also right. loved something that you said was your process mm -hmm. because you wanted to do it, but you didn't give up. It, it was, it could have been so easy to be like, oh, you know what? I can't. Let me just stay at home or find some other mm -hmm. option. But you really worked hard. And, you know, being passionate about something shows you being like, you know, consistent and like you've been persisting in terms of making sure these things are made mm -hmm. available because your your experience didn't change. And that's incredible. And I'm very sure it would have helped someone or at least you know, it gave this new perspective to the policymakers, to the government, to the to the society there that, hey, we need to consider this. So I think yeah. kudos to yeah. you. And I feel it's really brave of you to kind of go out there and knock yeah. every door to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. And then I think, you know, that was my first experience with organized optometry too. And it showed me how important it is to be involved in your local society and your uh, state association and the AOA or, you know, the national associations, yeah. because 
you, we have to have an impact on the future of our profession. And that's the best way that is, is getting involved in organizing, organized optometry is the best way that we can make our voices heard and make sure we have an impact for not only our future and our current situation, but our, you know, paving the way for optometrists in the future too. So that's, I, I'm very passionate about organized optometry also. And I think that's why you're the president as well. And I'm so <laughs> glad I could see your leadership skill and your passion right, right through yeah. this conversation. And I love this energy that you share about like, let's help everyone. Let's go together. Let's, let's grow. I, this is incredible. <laughs> oh, thank you. I mean, that's the only way to go, right? It's just, yeah, you have to, you're so much stronger as a, as a whole than yeah. as a single entity. Yeah. Absolutely. So we did talk a lot about optometry and, you know, eye care. And now we're going to switch to my game segment where we can know a little bit about you. Uh, It's a rapid fire. The rule is simple. I'll ask you a question. Tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. So are you ready? I I think so. (laughs) Let's see. No pressure. Just quick answer. Okay. All right. My first question. Tell us about your favorite destination. My favorite destination, Hawaii. Hawaii, wonderful. Your hobby or something that you like to do apart from optometry during your downtime? I love to travel. Any any chance I can get to travel, I love. Wonderful. One thing about you that people don't know. Ooh, one thing about, I feel like I talked a lot and don't tell people a lot about me. Um, <laughs> Halloween is my favorite holiday. Oh. Maybe you don't know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. wonderful. Uh, tell us about your favorite cuisine. My favorite cuisine? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, that's a tough one. I love Italian food. Um, I, you know, growing up in New York, and my mom is half Italian, so big Italian influence, but I also love sushi. So I would say it's a tie between Italian and sushi. All right. Uh, if we were to write an autobiography about your journey, what would you like the title to be? What would I like the title to be? Um, maybe Perseverance, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, you know, okay. uh, keep going even when things get hard and challenges, just, just keep going, keep persevering. So Perseverance. Wonderful. One thing that you would like to change uh, about the eye care industry? One thing I would like to change about the eye care industry, I think that um, we can be very siloed sometimes in the fact that we kind of just, you know, stay in our little bubble. And uh, I think that we should reach out to other people, uh, other industries and see how they're doing things in other industries to maybe get new ideas. Mm -hmm. I think that that would be a good thing to do. I think that we need to keep uh, sharing our experiences, right? And I hope that people are learning from my podcast, not only, but of course, all the amazing podcasts that you've done and all the incredible guests that you're on. I would say just don't be afraid. I think sometimes we're afraid to reach out for help um, and we shouldn't be. We should be, oh, you know, don't, don't think that asking someone for help is going to annoy that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bet 99% of the time that person is actually going to be uh, very happy to help you and grateful that you reached out. So that I think sometimes we, we don't, we don't reach out to others for help enough. 
you know, we were like, no, we can do it. We can do everything on our own and we don't need other people's help. But that's a mistake that I made when I was starting out in my career, um, even though I had all my Navy, Navy mentors. And but but after I got out of the Navy, I thought I could do everything on my own. And I realized that now I realize that um, it's so much easier, <laughs> so much easier if you ask others for help and you'll get to your goal and you'll be successful that much faster. Wonderful. And that was it. That was a simple rapid fire. Okay. I definitely know what we're eating next time we meet and which was your favorite <laughs> destination. So probably, you know, uh, we can go out for sushi in Hawaii or maybe some Italian food in Hawaii. And I definitely am looking uh, forward to your Halloween costumes or looks for sure, because that's your favorite <laughs> festival. So let's see what's uh, coming up. Yes. Soon. It's going to be great. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> wonderful. Thank you once again, Dr. Lisa, for sharing all these wonderful insights. I love the energy. I've learned so much more uh, with this conversation. I'll definitely be dropping your LinkedIn profile for people to connect and reach out to you for any questions that uh, they might have. Thank you for being open and available to share uh, you know, your availability so people can ask you questions. Before I let you go, do you have any final takeaway message or any anything that you want to share before we end this episode? Yeah, I think, I mean, I've talked about it before, but just keep keep reaching out, you know, ask people for help. Don't try to solve all your problems on your own because it gets lonely and it's really hard to do and it takes a lot longer. Um, I'm willing to help anybody who reaches out to me and I know so many other incredible colleagues that are also willing to help. So if you see somebody who, you know, or, or also some word of advice is if you're unhappy in the situation that you're in, um, don't stay there. You know, there's so many other ways or things that you can do in optometry that there's so many options to be happy. And so find what you're passionate about and just go for it. And if, when you see the people that are doing what you want to do, reach out to them and say, how did, how did you get to where you are? You know, how do I really admire you? How do what, what steps did you take in order to get where you are and that level of success that you are? So my, my last two pieces of advice are if you're unhappy, you know, change it because there's so many things in optometry that you can do. And if you have questions, reach out because I guarantee those people will be happy to help. Absolutely. And I can attest to the fact that I have reached out to so many people in the industry and everybody has been kind enough to support me and like, you know, uh, respond to me and help me throughout my journey of podcasting or even my professional journey in this new country when I moved here from India. So absolutely, I agree to that 100%. Thank you so much uh, for sharing all these amazing insights. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And once a nerd, always a nerd. So welcome to the nerdy family once again. And it's such a pleasure to have you on this show. So happy to be here. Thank you.